Corporate Unplugged opens the door to a world of people transforming business. They share their dreams, their experiences, and what they would never give up. So I'm so glad to have Esmond Baring here with me from Bali. Welcome to my podcast. Thanks very much, Vesna. Great to be here. Uh, as a way of intro, Esmond is a writer, speaker, and the creator of a coaching methodology that is called Paradigmental Training. Esmond has worked on Wall Street and in the city of London for UBS Investment Bank. He moved to and lived in Vietnam to set up a securities business and has now spent the past eight years in Indonesia, initially to raise capital for a private equity firm and after that, which he founded a hospitality furniture sourcing business. And today he's committed to the awakening of humanity and the evolution of consciousness and supporting individuals to experience all that they are. So, Esmond, just to kick off with the obvious question, I mean, you've gone through a big shift. What has caused you to go from being a, a guy in the finance world to now focus completely on, on uh, you could say, releasing people's ability to be all that they are? I think around 10 years ago, no, probably 12 years ago, I was in the city of London. I was in a I was in a corporate office in my corporate finance position as an associate director, looking after logistics companies. And I think I was working till 11.30 at night one night and I was coming home in a taxi. And I think I actually started crying and I just asked myself this question. It's like, what is the point to all of this? It's all I'd ever known in my professional career. I'd, I'd been to school, I'd been to university, I'd got the grades, I'd got the position and I was automatically moving through life and it was absolutely meaningless to me what I was doing. And so it was really an internal question of there has to be more to life and I need to find out what it is. So it was a deep internal questioning that, that brought me to that point of there must be something other to look at. And now when we talk about waking humanity and so on, I mean, these are big, big words and big uh, things. But what, how do you define that? awakening humanity? I look at it as awakening each individual once at a time, just in the sense that in 2016, I was uh, I was in just outside Melbourne. I'd gone to do a a self-help or a self-development course that someone had recommended called, called Avatar, and I had no idea why I was there. I just felt very cool to go there. At the time, I was living in Bali. I was working for a private equity firm, and I just felt very drawn. So I went to explore this calling. And I think about day six or day seven of the course, I suddenly had a realization, a really deep and profound realization that that my beliefs were actually complete and entirely responsible for my subjective experience of life. I actually discovered a belief that I shouldn't show my emotions. And then using a technique from that coursework, I, I discreated the belief that I shouldn't show my emotions, which... There's a history to this story, which I'll say later on, but aged eight, aware at boarding school, I'd, I'd really decided that uh, hiding my emotions was a better strategy for coping at boarding school than actually showing the emotions. But fast forward to 2016, when I uncovered this emotion, discreated it, I actually found my body releasing emotions that I'd held in my body for the best part of 30 years. And I cried and I cried and I, I howled and, and, and then I just started laughing, just tears rolling down my cheeks at the realization that this adult male had been living his life, his emotional life through the beliefs of an eight-year-old boy. 
And so that was the moment that I realized that belief created experience. And, and from that moment on, it's like, well, Christ, who, who, you know, who am I really? What beliefs have I got? And, and I figured out that actually 90% of what I believed had been indoctrinated or modeled upon other people's expectations. My parents, my nationality, my, my religion, my society. And so my journey really started from there. Well, what are these beliefs? Have I chosen them? And what can I change? And what, what beliefs would I put in place that I really wish to experience in my life? So that's how I got to this place. And so the awakening of humanity piece comes in from the fact that I've awoken a lot to the lies of who I was based on, on my conditioning. And I'm really inspired now to encourage other people and invite other people to ask themselves some deeper questions of their why and, and their what and their how. And, and if you would say, you know, this is what I was and this is what I am now, what is it? I was a product of my conditioning. That is to say, I was at effect of that environment which I was raised in. And I didn't have a realization that I had a choice to be any different than that which had been prescribed me. And the difference in this moment is that I know that I have a choice and I have the power to decide in any moment how I wish to experience my life. And I can actually program and choose the beliefs that I have in order to create the experiences that I choose or prefer to have in my life. And I didn't have that awareness and now I do. That's a huge gift, fantastic. The first thing I saw on your uh, website are four uh, words, stop lying to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is a good one. But when people see that, how do you think they react? The fact is, um, I was lying to myself my whole life without realizing it. And I really had to be shaken awake to see the lies that I was living through. And when I say lies, what I mean is beliefs that I'd taken on that I hadn't chosen, that were creating experiences in my life that I hadn't consciously wished to experience. And my experience, having done an enormous amount of work digging around in my consciousness and working with others in this area, is that a lot of times we don't realize when we're operating unconsciously and when we're operating consciously. And so I take great pleasure, and, and the four words of the website are designed to be provocative. You know, they're designed to be provocative because I'm really, you know, my, my, my main value and my main drive at the moment really is truth. I know truth is very subjective, but to really support people to get to their own subjective truth and live the lives that they, they know they can, but may not know how, if that makes sense. Yeah. And one how you could say is to, of course, uh, you know, ask for your coaching and go to your workshops and stuff like that. But if they can't do that for some reason, what other advice do you give them in order to kind of get to that truth? Ask yourselves the deeper questions. Ask yourself the deeper question of your why, why you are the way you are. Why do you do the things you do? Are you benefiting yourself? Are you benefiting your community? Are you benefiting humanity? Are you feeling fulfilled in what you do? Do you jump out of bed in the morning fully energetic, knowing that you're actually going out and doing something you love? Are you living a life that you love? I mean, these are all very basic indicators that we almost sort of reserve sometimes to those people who are living these extraordinary lives. But why shouldn't we all live these extraordinary lives? I believe it's our birthright for us all to discover and live a deeply passionate and fulfilling, rewarding life. But I do, bringing me back to this awakening of humanity is that in my stupor, in my sleep, I wasn't, I really wasn't aware that I could create exactly the life that I chose. And it wasn't as though I grew up with a limited background, but I grew up with a lot of limited beliefs about what and who I was and what I could achieve. And so 
my journey has been to remove them and, and to get out of my own way. So I just, I just invite and encourage people to really question their contribution to themselves and, and society and humanity. Uh, but the difficult thing here, I think, is the um, unconsciously held beliefs, right? Because I, I can consciously, I can say what beliefs I have, but unconsciously, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm you know, driven by something that is difficult for me to see, might be more easy for somebody else outside to see. Well, that's a really good point. It's a really good point. And oftentimes in reflection with other people, if we're brave enough and vulnerable enough to ask another person or other people how we are, often their truth will be more revealing to us than our own. However, in addition to that, we can look at our life experience and we can reverse engineer what our beliefs are. Because if we think we believe something and we're actually not experiencing that in our life, well, we're actually lying to ourselves. And actually, the underlying experience in our life will tell us what our belief is around that area, if that makes any sense. So if I believe that I'm, a, I'm an enormously successful investment banker and I've got a team of people who adore me and something like this. And actually, the reality is I'm a mediocre investment banker and my team can't stand me. The fact is that what I'm saying is different from the reality that I'm experiencing. And so if I'm vulnerable enough, willing enough to go and have a look at the belief, I'll be able to find out what I really believe underlying. What's really interesting, Vesna, is that holding these limiting beliefs or these lies about ourselves that we'd probably prefer not to admit, it takes up an enormous amount of creative energy. So if we can actually uncover these beliefs and let them go, and by uncovering them and seeing them for what they are enables us to let them go because they don't hold any power of us anymore. And, and how did um, people around you or your original family and so on uh, react to your shift, so to say, that you've gone through? I think for a long time my family could see that I wasn't happy and that I was quite angry in my unhappiness and my anger was projected out onto the world when in fact I was just furious at myself for living these lies and just going through the motions of life without any clear direction and clear inspiration and clear momentum, I'd say. As I started to change and unravel, I remember I was extraordinarily excited when I had the realization that I was actually a software program that could be changed and the hardware could be upgraded as well in the sense that the beliefs that I'm holding are the software and the hardware is the body that I'm, I'm being carried around in. And I got very overexcited and I want to share it with the world and probably a little too overenthusiastically. And I became quite preachy and overexcited because I wanted to share this realization with the world. And I realized with a little bit of discernment, I could have gone about that a bit differently. But certainly four years later, they can see how, how happy I am now and how healthy I am and how clear I am about life. And I think that people who love us, want us to see us happy. So I think initially at first, there was a lot of blame and, and confusion and, and whatnot. Now there's a great acceptance and it's actually, it's really increased the depth of my connection with my family and friends and loved ones. And uh, how is it to live in the area of Bali? And um, what do you learn from living in that kind of environment around those people? Oh gosh, time has become my greatest commodity. I'm so enormously time rich here in Bali, and it's really taught me how to be rather than how to do. I lived in a very fast-paced environment when I was living in New York and living in London and living in Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam. It was really frenetic. There was so much to do and there were so many deadlines, and they were all so unimportant, quite honestly. So spending time in Bali and really getting to know myself and what's important to me and what my values are has been, has been really rewarding, and it's been... 
there's no social pressure in Bali. There are so many diverse groups of people from so many diverse walks of life doing so many different and interesting things. It's really interesting now. When I arrived eight years ago, it was um, it was a different demographic of people, but there are now a lot of really interesting people from all walks of life here collaborating, leaving the structure of the quote-unquote corporate world and coming to explore entrepreneurship. And there's a lot of collaboration and inspiration. And But I think back to your original question, I've really been able to focus more on being than doing. And that's been a really beautiful, beautiful time for me. Wonderful. And what would you say is your passion, you know, the, the thing that you, if it's needed, you know, even willing to suffer for? Truth, Vesna, because I, I, I really suffered on my journey to my subjective truth. And, and again, it can only really be subjective. But the unraveling of the layers of conditioning has not been comfortable. And to go through all the type of integrity work that one does when one's unraveling one's consciousness and, and the removal of all these limiting beliefs, it's, it's deeply uncomfortable because it really is a removal of lies. And I have suffered from it, but in the sense of returning to myself, I've had to fight against the egoic lies that have been created about myself. And a lot of my relationships have changed on this path of growth. There's been a lot of people falling by the wayside and a lot of people coming into life. And I'm really uh, passionate about truth and I'm because I'm really passionate about what truth, subjective truth can bring to people's lives, uh, what subjective truth can bring to people's lives with regards to love. And I'm deeply passionate about the workings of consciousness and, and sharing that with the world, really showing people that there is a, there is actually an operating manual for what it is to be human. And, and none of us are really taught that. That seems to be a very sort of personal, inward, insular journey of life. But actually, there are so many tools that we could use to educate our children at a, at a younger age to really set them up to make clearer decisions at an earlier age about their path, which I feel will benefit themselves, their families, their communities and humanity as a whole. And here, I think uh, education is playing a big role. I don't know how it is in the area of Bali or Vietnam and other places where you've been, but it's all so much an industrial system that is, you know, the remnants of, of the history. And we need to kind of change that and I think move into seeing more the individual and so on. Of course, there are challenges in that too. You know, how do you create a system that works? for the bigger masses, but still uh, there is a huge need to, to get that kind of support. I imagine always that people living in, in your area uh, are um, uh, India and other places are more likely between the families and different generations to share uh, life wisdom, if nothing else, which doesn't necessarily naturally happen in, in, in our westernized world. Yeah, I think it's super interesting. I um... Bali, uh, as far as education is concerned, there's a lot of opportunity and there's a lot of alternative opportunity for young children here, especially for Western expatriate families. They have Montessori schools. They have uh, Steiner schools. The Green School is world famous up here in Hobart. Looking at alternative and, and more learning-based orientation to education. This is certainly at the, younger, at the younger levels. And my experience was very different in the sense that I went to two very well-renowned boarding schools, boys' boarding schools in the UK. One was called Ludgrove, another one was called Eton College. And they were both very, very formal, very, very structured, very much based on an era bygone. 
And funny enough, interestingly, recently is a lot of my conditioning, my unraveling has come from that education, taking me away from what I learned, unlearning what I learned to get me to the place where I can actually clearly decipher where I am now. But my journey the last six months is actually taking me to an online resource called Mind Valley, and what I feel that Mind Valley are doing for transformational education and personal growth and develop is absolutely astonishing. It's mind blowing what they're doing, what Vishen Lakhani and his team at Mind Valley are doing. It's quite something. So I'm I'm really encouraged that the old systems are breaking down, but the new models and paradigms of reality are really coming to the fore. And uh, it's a really exciting time for education. Yeah, it's really true. I've done a couple of um, seminars, courses, and and so on with with Mind Valley, and it's amazing what they do. I totally endorse that. But in terms of transformational points in your life, I mean, we've been through a few, of course. But is there anything else you want to add? Things that have really, really influenced you very much. The first one has to be 1986. You know, eight years old. You know, living a beautiful, normal boyhood life in Hampshire, England, and, and being told that I was being sent away to boarding school and just remembering that whole experience of the butterflies in the stomach and not quite understanding why I was being packed off with a trunk of clothes and a school uniform to go and be with 250 boys in a strange place when I had a perfectly good home and perfectly good parents and a younger brother and older brothers and sisters. That was quite an interesting moment in my life because it was the moment that actually as a boy, I learned to shut down my emotional universe. And when I started to create coping mechanisms that would really affect my life for the following 30 years uh, without me necessarily realizing it. it just became normal for me to realize that I was a numb and shut down man because this is what we were this was stiff upper lip English males we didn't really show our emotions someone I think John Cleese said a quote one time about you know the goal of every Englishman is to get through life without being embarrassed and this really was the life that I was the life that I was living, but it was a very it was a very it was a very limited life because there's such richness to the felt experience of life. And and once I started uncovering all these beliefs and really touching more into my emotional universe, my life became so much more magical. So I think boarding school, Vesna, was a was a was a significant moment for shutting down, let's say. When I moved to Vietnam in two thousand nineteen to set up a business there, that was a real eye opener because for the first time in my life, I'd made a decision for myself, believe it or not, and I was 32 years old, so I'd really been on automatic going through my life, sort of doing the prescribed route and moving to Vietnam and setting up a business there and working with some Russian investors. That was, that was a decision I made and it, it allowed me to realize that I could grow my hair a little bit longer rather than having the, the side parting and the pinstripe suit and the, the London Wall Street image of a banker. And I became a little bit freer and I started to realize that actually hang on, there are really myriad different ways of, of living life and, and making decisions and choices. So Vietnam was a pretty cool eye-opener for me. 2016, as I mentioned to you in January when I went to the Melbourne Outback and I, I started my work in consciousness, I started my real spiritual journey of, of the truth of who I am and who I'm not. And then I think probably in November 2018, I went to A-Fest here in Bali and I met my current partner and, and love of my life who I'd never have met if I hadn't done the work on myself to unravel and uncover where I am and who I am, I'd say. It's been a journey, Vesna, of, um, of unlearning, fascinating journey of learning and then unlearning and coming to this point where I'm really, really inspired and fascinated to share these experiences with other people and help people to ask and, and, and explore the deeper questions that they are asking themselves or, they, or, or, or they're inquiring of themselves. 
And if we move into the world of um, business, companies, organizations, and so on, that you also have a lot of experience in, uh, and you still work actually with, with a company, right? I set up a hospitality uh, furniture sourcing business. I have relationships with factories in Indonesia and Vietnam, and we do hospitality, high-end hospitality furniture manufacturing. And in terms of businesses, you know, is there like one long-term formula that you believe in for any kind of business? Gosh, well, it's all changed recently. And if I had to answer this question truthfully to you in this moment, it would be to be humanity-focused, you know, really to be focused on the humanity and, and, and the advancement of our species and the sustainability and the protection of our natural environment and really collaboration rather than competition. Let's work together. Let's really work together to change the world. Do you have companies, examples of companies that you feel are doing that, apart from Mind Valley that we mentioned, but and how can they unite? I mean, everybody's going to say, well, yeah, but Jesus, this is, uh, you know, there is a competition out there and uh, you have to be very clear on how to run, run the agenda of a business and how do we do that together with the humanity plus uh, agenda? Well, I think from my experience in all this, and I've, I've come very much from the coalface of the, of the developed world and I've been living in the, in the emerging world for the past eight years. And I mean, social media is something that I've actually started to educate myself on quite significantly in the last six months. And I'm, I'm understanding and realizing the power of it. And as I step out of a, a structured world and into a more entrepreneurial position, I just see the willingness of people to collaborate and exchange. And exchange can be any manner of energy, whether it be financial, whether it be services driven, whether it be whether it be I'm going to talk for you and you're going to work for me, or it's just I've, I'm finding my life is surrounded by collaborative effort at this point in time. And what are we all doing together to benefit ourselves and our others? And really people are working towards collective goals of unity rather than very much individual and, and separatist agendas. I came from a world where I mean, I became a banker to make money. I didn't become a banker to make any difference in the world. I became a banker because I grew up with the belief that in order to be a, a man, I had to be successful, make money, and provide for my family. This was a very, I think back then, an admirable way of looking at life, but it was very limiting. And so from the perspective of now, it, it's sharing. It's a sharing economy. It's a sharing world. It's a collaborative world. Let's all unite and work together to make it a better place for our children. And, and if we dream a little bit and say that you, right now you have all doors open to you and all kinds of resources available, is there anything in particular that you would immediately rush to innovate or change? You know, be it in your world or in another sector? Yeah, I'd really like to use my voice to inspire to inspire people to change if they're they're willing, ready, and able to change to be the best version of themselves. And that's a really general, general statement. I, I appreciate that. But to really, coming back to this value and this statement of subjective truth, to ask people to ask themselves the deeper questions. And I feel that we've all got unique stories. And that's something I've learned again in the last year or so. It's like we've all lived such extraordinary lives, whether we've lived in one village, town, or country, or whether we've traveled the world. And the people that we are today come from a tapestry of beautiful, beautiful stories of mistakes and learning and growth and love. And we never know where our opposite is. When we're talking to one person or we're talking to an audience of a thousand, it's like by sharing our truth and our story in our full vulnerability, 
we're actually giving people a gift to meet us where we are. And we never know where some word we may say or one part of a story we may share, we may inspire someone to take the next step in theirs. And so if all resources were made available to me, I, uh, I will be speaking and I will be traveling and talking. I will be delivering workshops. And I've got a five-year-old daughter and I see her as my greatest reflection and my greatest mirror for me to do my own work, to make sure that she's not just imprinted with all of these ideas of who I am. So I think, you know, to answer your question, it brings me back to education and consciousness surrounding our children and what we can share with them. So you're actually, in a way, you say you're doing what you would like to do even in the future as well. It's not like you would change anything in that no, sense. No, I am. I am I'm right there. I'm right there right now, yes. <laughs> and is it difficult to um, attract uh, people to come to the um, workshops, courses, trainings, you know, talks and so on? Do you think many people are on that wavelength now? People are hungry, Vesna. People are hungry for something more. Yes. And it's so interesting. The experiences I have in this is that when I come from a place of intellectual preparation, conceptual preparation, and, and from a place of like learning and teaching, yeah, there's some interest. But when I get up and I'm sharing truth and vulnerability about my experience and my story, way more people show up, way more people stay at the end. I generate more business. I generate more interest and more following. And so, yeah, it's really coming back to the heart rather than the head. And inspiring uh, other men to come to that place of the heart, perhaps more than the head. Because my experience was I, I lived in my head for most of my life and I'm now dropping more into my heart and it's a more beautiful place to be. Yeah. And it's funny that it's still considered in many, many countries and many social structures that it's a weakness to be soft and, you know, heartfelt and all that. Mm. I mean, can you imagine, you know, these conditioned ideas that boys don't cry. I mean, it's madness. It's madness. I've cried more than I was four years and I've cried in my whole life. And it's been a beautiful, beautiful uh, means of expressing that which was stuck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, leaders, however you define those, is there any specific advice that you'd like to share to them? Gosh, be humble. Mm. Yeah, be humble and realize that he, he who knows, he knows nothing knows most. And what I, what I mean by that is that life is constantly changing and however much we think we know, We're only just beginning. We're only just scratching the surface. So take care of your people, take care of yourselves, and, and take care of humanity as a whole. And we'll all be heading in the right direction. But be humble mainly. Be humble. And, and it's funny that many people that I know, for example, are looking up to leaders that are you know, courageous and, and strong and all have answers to everything and so on. And, and actually... In a way, I think the leaders, the fantastic leaders are the ones that are, you know, taking steps to out in the unknown and still kind of leading the way, experimenting and, and, and taking risks, actually. I agree. And being willing to admit they're wrong when they're wrong. I think it's a sign of a true leader. It's really to be able to, to own and take full personal responsibility. I think we're really in an age now of really stepping up and taking personal responsibility. No longer is it your fault that this has happened to me. It's like victim consciousness is, is changing now into ownership. It's like I am causing the effect in my life. I'm not at the effect of all these causes. And I think that's a real paradigm shift that we're experiencing at the moment in the world. It's fascinating. And if you go back like 15 or so years ago uh, in your life, what advice would you give to yourself? Oh, God, be more honest with yourself. <laughs> be more honest with yourself and just follow your dreams. 
follow your dreams, live a life that you love. Because everyone benefits when we do that. Everyone benefits. Everyone we are around, we benefit, of course. Everyone we come into contact with benefits. And it's possible. But we're taught otherwise, which is madness. So I say, I say be courageous and really, like you referred to earlier, Vesna, it's like be willing to explore that unknown. You know, be willing to explore your edge. Be willing to step up and go to those places that cause you discomfort because right at the edge of your comfort zone is where the magic of life is. And I wasn't. I wasn't for a very long time. I was lying to myself and I wasn't brave enough to, first of all, admit it, but to step into a, a greater expression of myself. So I told myself to be a little bit more braver and more honest. When did you know what your dream was or is? I knew, actually. I knew when I was 18 or 19 that I loved to help people. I knew at 18 or 19 that I could see and feel things in other people that I thought everyone could, but maybe it was actually something that was a bit more unique to who, who I am. And I love seeing these things and I love sharing these things with people. And I remember one point I was talking to someone back at 19 and they said, listen, you really need to stop being so nosy and mind your own business. And I actually shut myself down at that moment because I realized I'd said something. I'd stepped too far into that role of helper and I'd upset someone and I decided to shut myself down. And so it took me about 15 years to open myself back up to who I am now, which is really inspiring people perhaps than being so nosy as I was an 18 or a 19 year old, but really supporting those people who are ready to make changes in their life to, to really move forward into a greater expression of themselves. And for companies, what do you think is the absolutely most one important thing for them to focus on right now? I just say, you know, people, but their own people, you know, humanity as a whole, just people. Are we all benefiting from, from what we're doing? Let's just focus on people. Let's just focus on our species. Just make decisions based on, on, on the furtherance and, and the evolution and advancement of our species from a place of love and compassion. Get in touch with a deeper sense of ourselves because from, from there we're directed. We didn't have to think about anything. We know where we're going. It's a different way of being. In this world of, you know, artificial intelligence, people asking themselves, you know, what are we going to do as, as work, as what we call work today, and, and what's going to happen, and, and all different generations, how are they going to, in a way, survive, and so on. What, what, do you have a, some kind of assumptions or theories around what's around the corner? No, I watch with excitement, and I watch with trepidation, and... I think where I'm sat right now and where I am in my own journey, it's like I, I really, really encourage and invite people to go inward just to regain touch with who they are and what they love. And I think from that place, we cannot go wrong. That's the thing. It's like to realize that our beliefs are the only difference between any of us, right? And if we can actually change our beliefs, then we can become fully tolerant of each other. There needs to be no conflict. There needs to be no competition. So the more we understand ourselves and our truths, the more we can understand the other and realize that we're all the same thing. And then, then it actually becomes a really, really, really exciting, united, collaborative effort for humanity rather than all these individual ideas of who's doing what. And I think, I think when we really touch base with who we are, I think we all come together anyway. And just as a, a final uh, 
if possible, bigger question. <laughs> what, what do you think the world needs most at this uh, time? Love. Just love. It's fascinating what plays out on the world stage. I really feel as it's just a reflection of where we're at as a species. I take it down to the micro level of my own experience and what I've been through and how closed and shut off I've been to love in my life without realizing it. And by doing the unraveling and the emotional work, let's say, Vesna, I've come to a place where I'm deeply collaborative now and I'm deeply understanding and I'm deeply compassionate and I'm able to now give love and receive love. And so I'm ready now to step up and contribute in a bigger way because I know myself in a way that I didn't before and I'm prepared to now. And I feel as though that's reflected in, in my energy and, and my message and, and my, my real care. I, re I really care now. And before, it was quite selfish, my life. It was quite individualistic and separatist. And, and now it's, um, it's broader. It's much, much broader. So love is my answer, Vesna. Fantastic. I totally agree. <laughs> so just as of, uh, out of curiosity, how, how does it feel to be on the podcast? It's a pleasure, actually. It's a real pleasure. And I love what you're doing. I think it's really inspiring. I think you're having a really great conversation. I'm really appreciative and grateful to you for the opportunity to share a little bit of my story and get my voice into the world. So I'm, I'm super grateful. Thank you very much. Indeed. <laughs> Great, Hesmond, and thank you so much for, for sharing uh, everything. Uh, I mean, it is a vulnerable thing to share, and as you, that's one of your lessons to people, you know. Yeah, very much so. I mean, and just on that, Vesna, it's like that is my primary message to people. Be vulnerable, really, in every area of your life. When you're willing to remove the mask and be seen as you are, you will be rewarded in ways that you cannot fathom. It's Joseph Campbell said in his, um, the cave you most fear to enter holds the treasure you seek and never has a truer ism been applied to my life. Just to be vulnerable, to be truthful. It's magic because it allows our others to see us as we are. And we realize that when we're seen as we are, we're absolutely beautiful. And so whether it be a relationship with your children, your parents, your romantic partner, your family, your colleagues, just tell the truth. Tell the truth because you then also give permissions to the other person to tell the truth and be vulnerable themselves. We all want to share ourselves and we're all terrified we'll be rejected for it, but we won't be. We'll be actually welcomed with open arms and an open embrace. Be vulnerable, be vulnerable, be vulnerable. Thank you, Esmond. But for people who want to find out more and so on, where should they head uh, to read more? And In addition to my Instagram, Esmond Baring, and my website, EsmondBaring.com, Dorita, my partner, and I are actually creating a new brand at the moment called Nude. That's N-Y-O-U-D-E. Um, and we're starting a new conversation in transformational relating. Our mission is to usher in a new reality paradigm for the way in which we're experiencing and relating to ourselves and to our others. We feel that now is the time to revel in our raw nakedness as we are, to discover our truth, to speak our truth, to declare our truth, and to live our truth unapologetically in every moment. Um, and we're really just digging into the, the containers of our relationships, providing both the sanctuary and the crucible for our transformation, healing, and the depth of connection and intimacy that are possible and that we all yearn and dream for. So we're really excited about this. We'll be announcing our first workshop here in May in Bali and then around the world for the rest of the year. So stay tuned for that.
<laughs> Great. Thank you, Esmond. Okay. And, uh, and also there will be links and show notes on corporateunplugged.com slash podcast. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Acast, and share this episode with your network and friends for impact. Share it with all the people you know would benefit from hearing this. So thanks for listening. And until next time, live with purpose and remember to unplug. Ciao, Esmond. Ciao, Vesna. Thank you. <laughs>